We're not in a series, and uh, I said a couple weeks ago when we uh, did a sermon, we weren't in a series, I said kind of my approach to it was, uh, this is a big living room and you're all family, and so as much as I reverence the pulpit and the position, uh, I also just look at this as like just a big family and we're all hanging out in the living room talking about what God is doing in our lives. And so for me, it's like, hey, here's just some things that I've been thinking about. And so um, we always have people speaking into our lives and encouraging us. And, you know, we take those thoughts and we think and we see things and we take them to the word and we take them to prayer. And, and uh, that should translate into something. You know, if all you are, you know, God called us to be rivers, not reservoirs. And so everything you get, it should translate. Everything you see, everything you process should turn into something, if you will. Amen. And so there's all this stuff. You know, I think I shared a couple weeks ago, you know, you have... Um, acts of terrorism. And like when we grew up, it was like, oh man, uh, you, have you heard about that act of terrorism? And it was that one thing at that one time. Now my kids in our culture has acts of terrorism like on a monthly basis or shootings or, you know, all these kinds of things. So there's just a lot to process. And I think it's very important for a church and for culture among a church to think and to look at those things. It would be easy for us to just come to church and focus on the word and that's good and just what we get for ourselves in our own little bless me club and our own. And you can sort of like isolate and pad yourself with a bunch of bless me scriptures and feel really good about yourself. And then that's not why God sent us and equipped us. Uh, I'm working on a teaching for a series later and I heard this person who I was listening to talk about every time God saves us from something, it's to use us. Saved people serve people. And so anytime somebody really gets set free, it's like you can't hold them back from wanting to do that in somebody else's life. You know, it's like, and this is a terrible example, but it kind of works. If you've ever gone to a really good restaurant, and I'm just waiting for somebody to invite me to Giordano's. I don't know why no one has done that yet. But um, if you've ever gone to a really good restaurant or you've seen a really good movie or something's really moved you, what do you do? You want to tell people about it, Right. Like, oh, man, have you gone there? Have you had that thing? Have you seen that thing? Because it's like alive in you. It's something that's inspired. And it's the same thing when you get saved and God's grace happens in your life and there's a move and you go, oh, my gosh, I've had this revelation. I want to make sure I take people through this. And a lot of times you can tell when people aren't having encounters with God, it's because they've, they've kept things to themselves and they've dried. It's like, you know, the manna has just gone old in their life because they, they haven't shared and progressed and made a difference in their communities with it. Amen. And so it's important for us to, to take a look at everything. Instead of just patting ourselves with bless me scriptures and all this Christianese, we have to engage. You know, we, God, God saved us and delivered us. And, and, a lot of th and I could go all throughout scripture where you see God moved in this person's life and then he set them up to lead a nation. Or God set them free from this so that they could do this. And uh, he always empowers us through our salvation and through grace. Amen. And so here we are as a culture, as a church, who we believe we have this world's answer. We believe that the hope of the world is the body of Christ. Amen. And uh, we have all these things going. So what is the church's place? What are we doing with it? And I'm not here to be controversial. I'm not here to make anybody uncomfortable. I'm not here to point anybody out on anything. You know, we're all wrong. We've all, we've all missed the way that we are to engage and to, and, amen? How many can say like, oh, I've just not got it right. And I'm not here to say this is the way or this isn't the way. I'm just here to say, hey, let's think about some things. And so there's this terminology uh, that says, ooh, the feels, right? It's kind of like an online thing. You say, oh, I got the feels. So we're going to take a look at some pictures, and we're going to just see what kind of feels come up in us. 
and then we're going to talk about it. So go ahead and throw the first picture up here. This guy, Colin Kaepernick, <laughs> sitting down during the national anthem, right? So here's what happens. This has now happened, and here we are, the body of Christ, and uh, the church has an opportunity to respond. And for those of you that don't know or maybe been living under a rock, he's a quarterback for the 49ers, and he's choosing to sit down during the national anthem. And as you see in this last game, there's some servicemen who served and gave their life for this country holding uh, a flag in front of him, and he's still choosing to sit down in his stance, is that he feels that uh, America oppresses black people. That is his feeling. Okay. Now, Scripture says in Proverbs 4, verse 7, it says that the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, though it cost you all it, though it costs you all you have, get understanding. So I want to play with this idea of get understanding. Now go back to Colin Kaepernick. I could sit here and go, well, he has the right as an American. It's his freedom to sit down. Yep. I could sit here and go, well, how could he? Those men and women who fought for that right, he's disrespecting them. Yep. Uh, you could also go, okay, Colin, you want to make a stand you want to help uh, black people who are feeling oppressed? I would love to go give to your foundation. That helps with that. Well, he doesn't have one. You make $19 million, and you're sitting down during the national anthem, and I want to participate in your action plan, and there is no action plan. So that could bring up all kinds of other feels, right? right? But what's important here is that we do what Proverbs says. It says, we work hard, though it may cost you all, all your feels, all your comforts, all the things that we like to hold dear to, though it may cost you all, go at all costs and gain wisdom and understanding. So you say, okay, Colin, what's going on in your life? Well, he was raised in a family of white people, and he has uh, all kinds of siblings that don't look like him. That, that probably don't have different things about him. Like, so you're with me. And so now when you start to seek understanding, you realize, you know what? There's probably something there for Colin that's caused him to act this way. Who's ever acted out because of a hurt or because of an insecurity? Who's ever done something that you totally regret? Well, we all have. And unfortunately, he's doing it on a very big stage. And I'm not going to get into the is he right, is he wrong? And all. That's not what I'm here to do. But what I'm here to say is if we work really hard as a church, to gain understanding when people are in places that we don't agree with, I think we'd see a lot more success, right? We work really hard to gain understanding, to pursue and to gain understanding. Here's what's interesting. Uh, my mother-in-law is a counselor uh, here at City on Hill, and she has the Vertical Healing Center upstairs and other counselors that I've talked to. What's interesting is when somebody comes through the door, you know, whether somebody's had an affair or they've gambled all their money away through addiction or something's happened. You know what's not important to the counselor? What happened? You know what's important to the counselor? Gaining understanding about why it happened. What we want to do as a church is talk so much about what's happening. Ah! But it's more important that we get engaged with people and gain understanding about why it's happening. Amen? <laughs> but the church, we're not real good. We want to get on a soapbox, and we want to hurl scriptures, and we want to say mean things, and we want to do all this stuff, and we want to take out the human component of it. 
there's this great video online. It's uh, of these young people who uh, they're pretty proud that, and you may have seen it, they're pretty proud that they text and drive. And so they love to use their phones while they drive, and they put them in this room, and the interviewers are like, hey, tell us about texting and driving. You know, tell us about, uh, you know, how you do that, and you text and you drive, and say, well, you know, sometimes I change music, and sometimes I'm texting and driving, and, and they were just, you know, kind of nonchalant about it. But then what they did is they brought in a person who lost their family and was paralyzed. So this person survived. After, and so they brought in a real human to the environment. And they said, okay, now tell us why you text and drive. Do you know they couldn't even do it? They were so uh, at guilt and such compassion moved on the other person as such that they, they didn't even try. They just said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's interesting that it's so easy for us to hide behind screens and hurl insults and say things. But if you ever got in a room with somebody, I wonder if you sat down with Colin Kaepernick and listened to him, what your feels would be, right? Uh, if you think of all different kinds of movements and peoples and things that we connect with, and, and I wonder if we sat down and, and really sought out getting wisdom and understanding in people's life, how much different it would be when we interact with them. Amen. I love Stephen Covey. He has a book called that. Uh, he's got a bunch of different versions of it, but he talks about the habits of effective people. And he says, there's a common tendency to try and fix things with good advice, things that are not your problem. And yet you immediately associate the problem with your own experiences. And before you know, you blurt out an advice. Let's keep going through some pictures and get some more feels. We got the Donald. Keep going. We have Hillary. Keep going, please. We have ISIS. And uh, we have Black Lives Matter. We have all these things. And you can get rid of them. Uh, oh, and we have the bathroom. Lot. We got all these things that we're dealing with, okay? But I wonder in these things how we all have advice, right? We all have something to say about them. And that's okay. God has called us to speak up and to speak out and to have something to say. And I'm not coming against that. But what I'm saying is we're so quick to use our advice in our own experiences. But can I tell you, I've never been black, right, right? So black lives matter and different things. There are things that I don't have personal opinions and advices on and things. And so you know what I need to work really hard to do? Get understanding. I need to get understanding. I wonder how many people have, have, have hurled insults. And, and I saw through, because I'm a sports guy, I saw people changing Colin Kaepernick's face to uh, uh, Osama bin Laden and all this other different stuff there. But I wonder if you sat in a room and sought to seek understanding with people, how much better off the church would be. Amen? Uh, I hate this. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we go to counseling because it's a healthy thing. Amen? Okay. And, uh, and so we go see this counselor. And she always does this to me, the counselor. We'll, we'll talk about all this stuff. And she'll sit there, you know, like a real professional. She'll say, all right, well, Josh, um, you're right. You are right. You are right, right, right. You're so right in this situation. You are so right. And she's right because I know I'm right. <clears throat> she tells me how right I am. And then she's always like, but, but what? I'm right. Case closed, Right. <laughs> I'm an equations guy. I really am. I'm just telling you about me. I'm an equation guy. I want to figure out the situation, look at the thing, and if it adds up, and then, you know, we're right or whoever's right or whatever, but case closed. And then she's like, no, you're right, but 
you really need to come over here to this side and start to understand and sympathize. And what am I terrible at? Just wherever she went, she left. See, I'm abandoned. <laughs> That's a thing that I'm dealing with in counseling. See, I'm right. I get abandoned by my wife. <laughs> anyway. Um, so anyway, so you know what the counselor is getting me to see? Being right is not the most important all the time. Okay? You can be right in doctrine and cold in spirit. Right? We talk about that. And so uh, it's one thing to be right and to have it right, but it's a whole other thing to come in and hold someone's hand and say, you know what? I'm going to try to understand this from your side. I'm going to try to understand this from where you are because I'm not you and I haven't had your experiences. But instead, I'm going to come sit where you're sitting. You know what's so interesting about Jesus? He's the God who came from heaven and was right and was perfect and said, you know what? I'm going to come and I'm going to get and put on flesh and blood and I'm going to become Jesus and I'm going to sit where they sit and I'm going to do what they do. Why? He was all knowing, but so that he could understand the scripture says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with all our weaknesses yet and always was tempted yet was without sin. What was Jesus saying? Hey, I'm coming so that I can be the God who can sympathize and understand and get understand. Amen? What should the body of Christ be doing in these situations? Hey, I don't like it. As a matter of fact, I hate it that Colin Kaepernick is going to sit down. It's going to ruin my football season that every week i got to see another stupid picture of this guy sitting down. Good place to say amen, right? <laughs> it's going to bother me. I'm just being honest with you. It's going to bother me. And he has the right to do, and I respect that. But... You know what I'm going to work hard on? Like what I just talked about. I looked into some things about him, and I, and I sought to get understanding. And I would love to participate in an action plan to help bring change to our communities. Amen? And so we have to seek understanding, even though it's going to cost us a lot. Yep. Amen? Yep. And here's why it's important for us uh, as a church specifically is Numbers chapter 5, verse 5 said, the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, any man or woman who wrongs another in any way and is so unfaithful to the Lord is guilty and must confess the sin they have committed. They must make full restitution for the wrong they have done. Listen, the Hebrew thinking mind at this time is if I have ought with my brother, if I'm not right with my brother and sister, then I'm not right with God. If there's a thing between us, then there's a thing between us. And I wonder if the conversations we had and the hate that we let live inside us towards certain things, if we, if we had this thinking of, hey, it's not good that I'm not right here because it might affect how I am here, maybe we would kind of interact a lot differently with our communities and with people. Maybe we'd work harder at seeking understanding and, and showing compassion because it's important that we're good so that we can stay good. Amen. And so I think 1 John 4.20, it mentions, if you say you love God, but you hate others, you don't love God. It's just that bold. If you say you love God, but you have hate towards others, then you don't love God. So it's important for us to live in a way that we don't keep strong anxieties and strong hate and strong bitterness towards things. We have to seek and gain understanding. Now, listen, this is not my sermon about where we tell everybody everything's okay and love wins and get away with whatever you want. That's not what I'm saying. But at the bottom of it, we have to use love. Amen? Yep. And here's the danger. Is there's two things I want us to see. Number one, 
We need everyone. We need everyone. God set this place in this world and put everything in place because God redeemed it because he says that it's his prayer that none should perish, right? God, everyone matters to God. Everybody matters to God. Whoever you care that carry the most hate to, whoever you care the most, everybody matters to God and we need everyone because we're here to redeem the times. Amen? And so it's not possible for us to say, well, you know, I have this thing that I'm going to hold on to because I'm really angry and I'm really bitter. No, we all need to be, we're called a body in unity. And so if you say, well, I have this thing and it's my thing that I'm going to hold on to, it doesn't bother anyone else. That's not true. Because the truth is, if you wrestle with something, we all wrestle with something because we're one. If you aren't fully you, then we aren't fully we because we're a body. So it's easy for us to say, well, it's okay. It's my thing. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to let this resentment. I'm going to let this thing be. I'm going to stay unhealthy over here. But if you aren't fully you the way you should be, we aren't fully we. And so we can't just go, well, that group over there can be that way. And that group over there can be that way because it's their own decisions and it's their own thing. If we aren't all fully, heaven is everybody. Amen. And that's what we should be here. There's no such thing as your own issues. And so God lays out this really great thing, which we actually read. Uh, it talks about, I think I jumped over it. No, I didn't. And so confessions, go ahead and throw that scripture up there about, uh, he says this thing here. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so talking about how confessing our sins and praying heals our lands and heals our lives, that we may be healed. And so here's what I want you to catch in my last couple minutes. Two things need to happen in a healthy church environment. Number one, we need to create a place where people can come confess their sins. The terminology for this is, the word is yadha. It means to confess, but the, the translation of it is this, is to speak out or to cast out or to throw out. See, behind everything that's off is actually a thing. We use all these words like hurt people, hurt people, and, you know, all this, you know, there's all these issues. So what's happening in, in things that are unhealthy and ungodly, something in there needs to be yod hot and cast out and not carried anymore. And people need to be healed and hold. Amen? God's design was come and confess your sin, yod hot, throw it out, get that out of you. It's not good for you. And then we pray and see healing. My concern, you know, and we think of like confessions, right? You go to a confessional before a priest and you give a confession. And that's actually a really noble beginning to that. That's somebody trying to live this out, building a place where somebody who's held on to something that's really hindered them and held them back, they could come to a place and yadha, confess, throw out, get it out of them. But, you know, unfortunately now it's kind of just become this little religious transaction. But I wonder if a church could actually be a place with somebody who has a burden and a pain and a frustration. And instead of acting out in the wrong way, they could come through these doors and they could go, oh, finally, I've made it. Yad hot, thrown out everything that's been holding them back. Yeah. But what does the church do when somebody gets honest about where they are? Do we throw stones and we judge? So God's designed this place to be a place where somebody can come and be honest and yad hot and get rated the heavy and instead, it comes a place where they come in and we still throw stones and we judge and we have scorecards. And we, that is not God's design for the church. 
The design is that you come in and you can be real and you can be honest and you can get free from those things before they ever get way off the path. And you get rid of it and then we pray and we see God heal because powerful prayers are effective. Amen? Another thing is restitution. Uh, It says that you should... should uh, pray for forgiveness of your sins. You should cast out Yadha, and then there should be restitution, which the word is shuv. Jesus uses this word when he calls us to repentance. He says we should be people who shuv, which is turn and run from that direction. Uh, some churches, they're real good at inviting people in and saying, hey, yeah, come, Yadha, tell us where you are. But then all they do is just say, it's okay, it's okay. That sin is okay that you did that. That's not that big of a deal. They're not calling people to the other part. Shoot, turn and run. Turn and run in a place of get away from that thing that's holding you back. Amen? So we need to be a people that, hey, it's come here, get forgiveness of your sins, but then turn and don't be that way. It's just like Jesus said, hey, rise up and walk, be healed, go and sin no more. Shuv, be in a new place, amen? If we can build a church where we just see people coming and getting free from all of these things and throwing off all those weights, and then, hey, they've turned and they've made a difference in their lives, amen? I love this idea. Uh, Psalm 32.1 says, Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed are those whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. The word for blessing here is fortunate. Like fortunate are those who are able to get rid of those sins that have been tying them down. You know, so many for us, it's like, well, I got this sin and I need to hold on to it because if anyone finds out, it's like, no, fortunate are you if you can be a person who can come in and find a place to get rid of those. And it doesn't have to be at church. If you can find a place in your home or in your life where you go, look, I'm working hard at, I'm fortunate to be able to get rid of these things. Amen. Fortunate is the person who no longer has to wear a mask and hide behind the lies or go through life pretending. Fortunate is the person who doesn't have to be a person like this over here and then a person like this over here. Fortunate is the person who can be real and authentic. Amen? Fortunate is the person who can yadha. Scripture goes on to say, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all the day. For the day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as the heat of the summer. Verse 5, Then I acknowledged my sin to you, And did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. If you've ever spent time with anybody who's been stuck in a sin for many, many years. As devastating as it is when that sin comes out. Or when when there's a confession. Or when there's a... As devastating as that news is. So much greater is the freedom of freeing yourself from a sin. Amen? How many have ever known somebody like that? We have to build a culture as a church amongst all kinds of crazy where people can come in and say, this is what I'm really dealing with. And we can say, you know what? I understand. Help me understand. Let me come alongside you. Let me help figure this out. And we correct them with scripture. The Bible says that we, we've literally been giving the word for teaching and instruction and building all these things. We will do those things. It's not important for us to accept everything and let everything get, but it's important for us to be a people who pray for people and understand where people are at. Amen. Because those secrets are so heavy. I'll close with this, Maddie, if you want to come play Galatians 5.1. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. People are designed to live free from sin. But unfortunately, when we build a place or a church or a steeple 
where all we do is judge the people, we're just casting people back into that lifestyle of sin, back into that culture of oppression. and Because here's the thing, people go where they're accepted. You know, really our life is kind of a result of either who accepted you or who rejected you, right? If we could be honest. So how much more should the word of God and the people with salvation and grace, how much more should we be the place that, that reaches out and receives one another and accepts one another? Amen? And so we got to build a place. The church should be a place where sinners can run to, not a place where sinners run from. And you know what the number one thing people say when they live in a life of sin or they're falling away from, hey, you should come to church. Oh, man, I don't know my life. I'm not ready to come to church. Isn't it unfortunate? Most people you talk to is like, ah, I got to get myself right first before I can come to church. I got to get my things in order. I got to get myself right before I can come to God. But God's design is for all this place to be full of sinners. You know, because you Christians are cranky. I'd rather have all these sinners in here. <laughs> but we got to work hard at seeking understanding and building a place where people can come in and be real and be honest. Just what that scripture says. James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Last week, I sat at a table. This is my last page. I almost made it without saying this. Last week, I sat at a table with a best friend of mine who I stood in his wedding. And he's devastated his marriage. And I sat at his table. And he said, because of it and the pain and the da-da-da, he said, I wanted to shut you out. And the weight of the idea that there are so many people stuck in devastating sin and their initial reaction is I want to push away really the only thing that can help them. That devastates me. That we've built such a house, and I'm not talking about vertical, that the church culture in America has built such a house that when people need us the most, they want to run from us the fastest just because we want to be right and have something to say. Jesus didn't come to be right. He came to win our hearts. Most of his teaching, he engaged with us on an understanding level instead of here's my, uh, we would have had a lot more commandments and, uh, and uh. Jesus came to win our hearts and build a bridge to be with him. Amen. James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins. which we did. We sat at the table and we talked, and we talked, and we talked and we prayed, probably cried a little. But the next text, we're like, even though I'm in the worst days of my life, I'm in the best day of my life because I'm no longer in that. What if we could be the church that goes, I realize you're in the worst days of your life but through God and through our righteous prayers and through you're in the best days of your life through this healing. Amen. So I just came to say, 
in all of these things, my thought, my out loud thinking is let's not be people who we think healing comes through our commentary, but our healing comes through our prayers for people. If we prayed for people and prayed for things as much as we commentated about things, we'd all just be poof, turned into angels up in heaven. Amen. We got to work harder at seek understanding, praying with people, reaching, connecting, loving. God will lead us through the truths at the right time as we're seeking understanding to impart and to share. But, but, but we have to be real. We have to, amen, are you with me? Jesus, it's his prayer that none should perish. We have to go after every single one, no matter how we feel. Amen? I was thinking about this as I was thinking about this sermon. You know, a lot of our mistakes that we really make, you know, they come when we haven't taken the time to seek understanding. Uh, you think about in your marriage or with a coworker or, uh, you know, even with your kids. You know, you got a million things going and the kids are acting crazy or the wife is this or the husband is this. And because everything that you have going, you guys haven't taken the time to sit down and talk to each other and seek understanding. So instead, what you do is you react in the heat of everything and you do this thing. And then there's this big blow up. But then what happens after the blow up? You come back together and you got to make up. Right. So you sit down, you start talking and you seek understanding with each other. And then it's okay. If in the beginning we could be a people who work hard from the beginning, seeking understanding about each other's moment. It's not about being right, even though obviously it's important to have right doctrine and right, you know what I'm saying. But it's important for us to be, be people who is like, hey, I'm gonna take the time to care enough to gain understanding and then we'll see what God does in there, amen? So I just want it to be on our house that our first reaction as a church, I'm gonna seek understanding about this and I'm gonna be people who pray with you. And if someone wants to confess a sin or somebody wants to get rid of yaha and get rid of some junk, I'm not going to judge them. I'm not going to hold them in that. I'm going to be grateful that they've been set free. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so thankful for your word and your wisdom. And Lord, we just pray that uh, your word says that we can be people who ask for wisdom. So God, let us be a people who in every situation seek out wisdom. Lord, we seek out what you would say. Lord, though it may not even look like what it should look like or feel like what it should feel like. God, we want you to direct us to the places that your heart is, that your ways are. And so God, I pray that you give us um, the ears to hear and the heart to sense and, and to know the ways that you would have us walk. Lord, I pray that as people come to us and they yadha and they confess and, and they get rid of burdens, Lord, I pray that we be people who, who don't judge, but, but we pull them in we pray with them and we see an effective difference in their life. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.